Hello, this is Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and you are listening to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church, the church by the park in East Walpole, Massachusetts. At Union, we believe in the power of God's word. And so whether you are able to join us when we gather each week at 1015 on Sunday mornings, or whenever or wherever this podcast finds you, I hope that you are inspired anew to deeper faith and greater resolve by the message of the gospel. Our current sermon series is called The Saints of Summer. Throughout this summer, we are assembling an all-star lineup of both well-known and less well-known people whose lives proclaim the good news of God's grace. Here's this week's message. This morning's uh, scripture reading is from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. This is the word of God. What is the most powerful thing you have ever done? Is it perhaps some great physical feat of strength? Maybe uh, running a marathon or, or, or completing a triathlon? Maybe it's some great feat of mind, solving a complex problem or overcoming a, a challenge. But perhaps the most powerful thing is a matter of the heart. It was something where where you had to exert willpower, we call it. Others call it soul power. Perhaps the most powerful thing you've ever done was a time when, when you summoned your courage and your faith and your trust more than at any other time and do something you'd never done before, accomplish something you never thought you could. And it is that power, I think, that last one, that soul power, that gathers in the other two. Our physical strength, our mental clarity, these things are brought into one when we exert our whole being in action. And those are the real moments when we are powerful. I think we all have had some experience of being powerful in our lives, some hard moment to do a hard thing that demands a great deal of us. Well, the gospel is full of stories of these moments. And sometimes I think we've heard them so many times we forget to realize what a hard thing they are. They're, they're moments uh, of, of things called exorcisms. Mark's gospel in particular is full of these exorcisms where Jesus drives demons out of people, demons that cause illnesses, physical ailments, as well as mental illnesses as well. And Jesus does this by, by calling upon the demons 
to be cast out. He draws upon God's power to cast these demons out, and the people are able to overcome whatever limitations have been holding their, them back, whether it's deafness or blindness or maybe a, a, a broken leg or a broken body in some way. Jesus speaks, and all of these limitations, the things that fester within us to hold us back, are released. And these people can become all that God created them to be. This has been how Jesus shows his power, especially in Mark's gospel. It is a hard thing to do. It is a powerful thing to do. But Jesus does it by gathering his whole being and speaking against the forces of evil. It's not like figuring out a puzzle, though, and it's not like it's not like training for a marathon. This re relies on, on the whole person being involved, and especially that spiritual aspect of ourselves. The Apostle Paul said, Our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against spiritual forces. And so an exorcism requires this soul power. And so... When we think of the most powerful thing we've ever done, maybe we think of it like this, overcoming some great force of evil against us. And the disciples too, Jesus sent them out two by two and he said, go forth and heal, cast out demons in my name. And the disciples were doing it too. They felt this same soul power that Jesus had in him. He had given it to them. But our scripture today reminds us that this power can also be a dangerous thing. That sometimes the most powerful thing one can do in their life is not to help someone. It's not some great success. Sometimes the most powerful thing we do in our lives brings harm to others, causes lasting damage or trauma. Though she's only now in her early 40s, the life of Valerie Coeur shows forth the power that Jesus proclaims in both word and deed. Coeur grew up in a rural California family of Sikhs. Sikhism is the fifth largest world religion. It's practiced by over 29 million people around the world, including a fair number here in the United States. But it's a religion that many are not familiar with, and this was true in where Kaur grew up, surrounded by um, evangelical Christians in this rather conservative town. She grew up in this, in this context, and in her adult years would become a documentary filmmaker, an activist, but her spiritual journey which she writes about in her book, See No Stranger, is the thing that drew me to her story. And there was one story in particular that stood out to me. One day when Kaur was in high school, she came home to find that one of their neighbors had brought over a woman from her church to, um, to speak to the family. And when Valerie walked into the room, the woman saw her and said, Oh, Lord, they are so hungry for you. And without, without further ado, she came forward. She put her hand on Valerie's chest and pushed her down into a chair. And she said, repeat after me, I accept Jesus as my only Lord 
and Savior. And Valerie was a little confused by this, but she responded. She said, I can't say that. I am a Sikh, and I think, think there are many paths to God. You see, Sikhism as a religion uh, was founded by, by a man named Nanak in the Punjab region of India. It's not that old of a religion. It was founded in the 14th century. At the time, though, this region of India was home to many Hindu people, but they were being ruled by emperors who had come in from the West. Muslim emperors. It's called the Mughal dynasty. It's a period of history there where Muslim rulers came into the region to rule these people and impose their religion, some more violently than others. And so in this time of religious pluralism, but also some contention, Guru Nanak had a revelation. He fell into a river one night and everyone assumed he had drowned. And then three days later, he came back and said he had had a vision. And in that vision, he had received the truth that God is indeed one, as the Muslims say, but there are many paths to that one God. Ik onkar was the, was the phrase in uh, Punjabi that, that Nanak used. It means God is one. And this is the fundamental truth of Sikhism. But from that truth comes another truth, that all are one in God. And so Kurd uses this phrase throughout her book. It says, tat tvam asi. It's a Sanskrit phrase. It means, I am that. I am that. When she sees another person or another thing, when she looks deeply and realizes that God is one and all are one in God, she says, I am that. I am the other. You and I, whatever differences we might have, are not so different after all. But when she was younger, Coors' best friend growing up in California had lamented that, that she was going to go to hell because she was a Sikh that she, she hadn't come to Christ, didn't accept Christ as the woman in her kitchen had, had wanted her to. And so Kur had come to see at this point in her life that Christianity was not a way of unity and oneness, it was a form of exclusion. The message she heard over and over again was that God damns you to hell because you are not like us. The Sikh life ethic, in contrast, is about seeing no one as a stranger, indeed to recognize and, as Christ said, to love the other as we love ourselves. And love, she writes, is more than a feeling. Love is not just warm fuzzies in our hearts. Love is a sweet labor, fierce, imperfect, but life-giving. It can be taught, it can be modeled, it can be practiced, but it is always work, a work that engages all of ourselves. Joy, she says, is the gift of love. Grief is its price. Anger protects that which is love, and when we think we have reached our limit, wonder returns us to love.
the woman who came to Kaur's house that day to perform this conversion, she, I think, thought she was acting out of love to save this woman, this family, from damnation as she saw it. But when Valerie said there are many paths, the woman said back to her, Lord, the devil is speaking to her. I can feel him. The devil is inside you, child. The devil is living inside you. And she closed her eyes and she said, help me, Lord, help me banish the devil from her. And she rocked back and forth, holding Valerie, uttering words that were not words, calling all her strength to cast out the devil from this little Sikh girl's heart. And when it was done, Kaur said, she was exhausted. She said, I got to my feet and I said, thank you? Because what are you supposed to say after an exorcism? <laughs> and then she left the house and she began to run and she began to weep. You see, the woman thought she was doing something powerful for good. But instead, she was doing something very powerful for evil. Kaur says she believed she was a messenger of the moral universe, but the message that she was bringing was, you do not belong here. She said she had merely done her duty to defeat the devil. But the devil's voice was, was my voice. And the exorcism was just an attempt to cast me out of myself. And that is not an act of love. It is not an act of love to cast someone out of themselves. The disciples had gone out and they had performed exorcisms. They had healed people. But they had run into some troubles as well. They had found at least one boy whose spirit they could not heal. They had had to bring him to Jesus, and Jesus had performed the exorcism. They couldn't understand why, and Jesus said to them, it's because this kind of demon requires prayer, a kind of introspection that the disciples apparently didn't have. And then again, in our scripture today, one of the disciples, John, comes to Jesus and says, hey, I heard there were other people casting out demons in your name. They're not part of our crew. In Mark's gospel, it says the 12 went out. In Luke's gospel, it says Jesus sent 70 disciples out. But presumably, they heard rumors that there were other people who dared, who dared to trust in Jesus, who were not part of their community. But Jesus shows how small-minded that view can be. He declares this power, this soul power, this power of love that has been given me by God, that I give to you, it is not just for us, because whoever is not against us is for us. He reveals that in their attempt to use their power, which comes from their closest closeness to him, they were trying to exclude people, to put them down, to push them apart. And Jesus says, these are the kinds of things that just diminish the gospel in the eyes of the world. 
And I think when they were admonished in this way, the disciples probably hung their heads and felt a little ashamed that they had even brought it up in the first place. And that's kind of how I feel when I read that story about this woman who claims to be a Christian, just, just like me, who goes to this family's house and, and, and enters not with wonder or love or care, but a mission to, to cast out the demons she sees in their hearts. It's not that Sikhism is about indifferent acceptance to all things. In fact, the Sikh faith teaches that injustice must be responded to. That's why Kaur says love needs anger to protect it. One of the traditions among the Sikhs is to carry what's called a kirpan. It's a, it's a dagger, actually. Um, oftentimes the blades aren't even sharp because these are for ritualistic pur purposes. They'll carry a small dagger or even just a, a necklace with a sword on it sometimes to remind them to be always ready to fight against injustice. To fight, not for themselves, not in self-defense, but for the other, for the suffering one, to protect those weaker than they are. And so, after this woman came to Valerie Coors house, she decided that she was going to fight. But not, not with violence. She was going to go and she was going to go to one of these churches in her town and she was going to confront the people there and say, what you are doing is wrong and you need to stop. And so she went to the Gurdwara, which is where Sikh people gather for prayer. She went on a Sunday morning to pray and then she went to a church from the Gurdwara. And apparently the Christians don't pray long enough because all the churches she went to had already closed for the day by the time she got there. But there was one that was still open, and she heard from inside, she heard organ music being played. And so she thought that the church was full of people, and so she opened the doors and went in prepared to fight the injustice she thought she would find there. But instead, it was just a small, silver-haired woman sitting at the organ, practicing for the next Sunday. And a little shocked, a little confused, her anger diffused for a moment, Kura asked, can I sit and listen for a while? Of course, the organist said. And so she sat and listened, and the sound of the organ enveloped her, she said. It's true, isn't it, when you sit in the sanctuary and that organ comes on, you know, it's not just an instrument up in the front, the whole room is the organ. And the music surrounds us. And Kaur said she felt this experience that Sikhs call vismad. It means ecstatic wonder. It's what Guru Nanak experienced when he had his revelation that God is one. It is that taste of oneness. But it was happening in a Christian church. What do you feel, the organist asked, when she turned around and saw this woman sitting there, tears going down her face. And Valerie summoned her courage and she said, I just can't believe that there could be a God who would send me to hell. 
And in that moment of, of, of tension, of vulnerability, she was prepared to fight. But the organist said, well, I can't believe that either. There are many paths. It just doesn't make sense otherwise. Of course, some people don't agree. But then she laughed, and the two of them embraced. Faye was her name, naturally. And the two became friends. See, Jesus agreed with Faye. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's true, he said that. But Jesus also said, there are sheep in my fold whom you do not know. He also said, anyone who receives you with a spirit of kindness is blessed. Whoever is not against us is for us. The power of the gospel is the power not to see others as broken or enemies. It is to see others as friends, as neighbors, as family even. In 2016, a, a small Methodist church in rural Texas uh, voted as a congregation to allow same-sex weddings to be performed in their church. This was in contravention to the rules of the United Methodist Church, uh, their overseeing body. And there was controversy around this, but the pastor at the time, the Reverend Eston Williams, he said, I'd rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. Sometimes following God in this way, in this way of radical love and inclusion, where we see others not as strangers, but as friends, sometimes that can put us at odds with the rules, at odds even with the church, these institutions we build up. And yet, how glorious is it to do a powerful thing, to see others as we see ourselves, to see in them the same light, to recognize that I am that, I am you. We are all one in God. Valerie Kaur is most well known for a documentary she produced about hate crimes that were perpetrated against the Sikh community after 9-11. After 9-11, in case you don't know, many Sikh people, men in particular, were killed uh, because they were mistaken for Muslim terrorists, because Sikhs, this is their tradition, wear long beards and turbans. The first man to be killed in one of these hate crimes was just nine days after September 11th. Uh, it was Kaur's uncle, Balbir Singh. He was killed outside the gas station he owned and had owned for many years as a naturalized American citizen. He was killed by a man who said he was going out to kill terrorists. And Coor documented the story of this crime. She documented the life of that family and how it was affected and so many others telling the story of the Sikh community, of the, of the wonderful contributions they make to the communities they are a part of here in America and to push back against the idea that just because they had turbans and beards, they were somehow un-American. Instead of returning violence for violence, she did the work of real love, which was seek to understand those who were persecuting the Sikh community, 
She wondered about those who did harm. She asked what made them so angry, so hurt, so unsafe, that would drive them to do something so violent. That compassion drove her to become an activist on behalf of civil rights. It drove her then to become a lawyer, uh, a movement lawyer, as she says, someone who's there to accompany people in pursuit of revolutionary love, the radical restructuring of society in a way where we can all wonder and labor for the others who are different from us, so that we can turn our opponents into those we love. To wonder and to labor, she says, that is the work of love. And loving is the most powerful thing we do. Whether it be in our families, whether it be in our church, whether it be beyond our church, especially when it is beyond our church, loving is a powerful thing we can do. It can be used to harm, but it can also bring forth the glory of God's kingdom. And so we come together to hear this truth each week. We come together in this moment to be reminded to be reminded that God has made us a channel for peace and justice in this world. We come to be close to Christ as the disciples were close, not then to covet that closeness, but to know that from it we can share Christ through words and deeds of love, through wonder, through anger, through joy, and through grief. And so today I, I offer this opportunity for you to wonder, who do I need to love? Who do I need to labor with, to fight for, to have compassion for? Who do I see is not like me, not like us? Who do I see who needs to be exercised or converted Perhaps it's even ourselves. Whoever that person is, wherever we meet them on life's journey, they are us. That is the vision of God for which we pray. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are all one in God. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message has been a blessing to you. I know that having you listen to it is a blessing to our church. For more information about Union and its ministries, you can visit churchbythepark.org or find us on social media. Our handle is at churchbythepark. Our theme music is by the 126ers. Once again, blessings on your day, on your week, and may the peace of Christ be with you.